How are y'all doing? <laughs> He's good and one over here. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm excited about what the Lord has for us today, kind of. Um, on one level, on one level, be, well, uh, no, anyway, it's gonna, God has something for us today. And so we're going to get excited about what he has. I actually really am. Uh, I'm encouraged by the word of God every time I get into it, no matter the topic, no matter the subject, I know in the middle of the word of God, there's truth. And in that truth, I will find something in me that God needs to deal with. And then he and I get to have a conversation and he does miraculous things in our time together. And that's what I'm expecting him to do this morning. I'm sorry, I know you just sat down, but I'm going to ask you to stand up one more time. You can lean if you want to. It's a short passage of scripture. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven more spirits. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. This is how it will be with this wicked generation. Father God, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. I thank you, Father, that it messes with us. I thank you that your word disrupts our lives in the most beautiful way. And Father, it gives us these answers and a place to run. I thank you, Father, that your word truly is a light to our path, Father. I pray we would use it wisely. I ask, Lord, that you breathe life and truth over the, our hearts and minds today. I pray we be attentive to your word. Father, I'm expecting, Lord, you to bring revelation in this place because you always do. Father, I pray everything that is of me would be forgotten and fall away, and everything that is of you would stand and produce fruit in our lives, consistent, Father, with your nature. We give you all of the glory for it. In Jesus' name, and they all said, amen. amen, amen. You know that when you say amen, you are in agreement with what we just prayed, right? So that means your life's getting ready to get messed up. And you agreed to it. No, but the word does that. I love that it beautifully disrupts our lives, and that's kind of what the Lord has definitely done with this passage of Scripture, I just have to get something out there. I was sharing with Pastor Ronnie. I know that he prays and is contemplative about the subject matter that we take on, and he reads and he's like, I really believe this person carries this message, and, and he assigns that, and I'm a little bit, my feelings are kind of hurt that the subject of demons made him think of me. Not that I'm keeping score or anything, but I'm pretty sure Kevin's last message was welcome to the party. <laughs> and I get demons. <laughs> but I've forgiven him almost. So we're going to talk about this lovely subject today. We're going to actually talk about this because I know, I actually know why he did this to me. I mean, for me. Um, <laughs> I know why he did this, because he knows my history. And that sounds a lot worse when you say it out loud, but he, he, knows, he knows my history when it comes to this area, because he knows the church that I grew up in. He knows my, the, uh, he's, he's heard enough about my father's church, the Pentecostal Deliverance Church of God. Exactly. 
Pentecostal Deliverance Church of God. It's amazing that you can get all of that on one little storefront window, but he did. And, uh, and it was all of that. And we were taught, I mean, we were, we came in guns blazing when it came to Satan and the enemy and the devil. And uh, we were just, uh, everything was a battle mentality. I'm telling you the truth. It was just, you rebuked and you fought and you rebuked and you fought some more. And, and it was just this constant onslaught of taking the battle to the enemy which was exhausting. And see, when you're, when you're a kid and you don't have children's church, and so you can't go and get a lesson that's consistent with your age, um, you go home at night going, oh my God, Satan is going to come get me at any time now. You go home, you're like, I am going to hell for sure because the message was so strong, but it made a great impact. And, and so my mentality for the longest time was taking it to the enemy and just this warrior, this warrior stance, and it gets you in trouble when you do that sometimes, especially if you're not equipped to do that, and especially if you're not called to do that. I'm pretty sure that in Jude 1.9 that the archangel Michael was having a confrontation with Satan about the body of Moses, and it said that, uh, that even the archangel Michael did not dare bring an accusation against the devil, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. We are so quick to jump into battles that we don't belong in. Case in point, I was about 13 or 14 years old. We were in a service, and it was a youth service, so the youth were in charge of everything, as youth like to be. And, uh, <laughs> and we, the, the, the youth were actually being the prayer wars at the front of the service, and, and it was a pretty crowded place that night. And when it came time for the altar call, we had a gentleman come up from the back, and I use the word gentleman lightly, and he comes up and he gets right in front of some of us kids, and I'm just going to be straight up with you. You can believe me or you cannot believe me. That's totally your call. I'm just trying to prove to you that I had enough insight and experience <laughs> with these things that I really did believe in the enemy. I really did believe in, in uh, demonic, and, and he came forward, and you know we were so gung-ho, and we were just going to reach out and lay hands on him to pray for him because that's what we'd been taught to do. And we were all about it right until that other voice came out of his mouth. You talk about having the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. See, that wasn't the first time I'd encountered that. I'd encountered that a lot because when you talk about the devil a lot, he shows up, has a tendency to show up. And so this guy comes up and, and we're going to pray for him. And he goes into this guttural language, a using language that he wouldn't have normally used in his right mind. We lost half of the youth group at that point. <laughs> half went over this way and the ones that were left that were stupid, bold, and I use the word stupid accurately, is that we went to go after him again. He hit the floor, guys. I have never seen anybody crawl under pews like that. And he did. He hit for the back. And we, it's not funny, okay? I don't mean to, that's nervous laughter, but it, I, it was an encounter that was strong enough and we were still trying to rebuke those of us that were left, but we didn't have the authority to. We hadn't been called to be put in the middle of that situation. What we had done is we had set ourselves up for a Sons of Sceva experience because they wanted to use what they thought they knew and to cast out demons. And what the scripture tells us is that they were the demons came out of the person, beat them soundly, and sent them into the streets naked. That doesn't sound like something I want to be involved in. 
There's a right way to do this. See, I think we went from the extreme of talking about the enemy so much that I had never, ever heard about submitting myself to the Lord, resisting the enemy and him fleeing from us. I didn't understand that concept because resist would have been such a passive word where I came from. In East Tennessee, it's, it's fight or fight. And uh, that's just what you do. And so that whole concept was new to me when the Lord began to teach it to me. But boy, did he begin to teach it to me and, and, and begin to teach it in such a, a wonderful way. But I want to just share with you what this passage of Scripture is talking about. Because I know some of you were not raised in this way. I was raised up, raised up to believe in the enemy. We talked about him a lot, talked about it all the time. And now in the churches, we don't talk about him at all, which I think is equally as dangerous. Because we're raising a generation of kids that when you talk to them about fighting the enemy, they think the devil only exists on a movie screen. They think evil only exists in the, uh, in the possession of Emily Rose. You, just, you know, they think evil is something made up. So they don't know how to fight because they don't believe he's real. So what I believe that we're supposed to do as the body of Christ is that we are supposed to strike a fearless balance. That we have wisdom in, in the way the enemy works. The word tells us to know how he works. The word also tells us that we have power against him. But it also tells us not to rejoice that the demons are subject to us, but to rejoice that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So we've got a balance here that we've got to grab hold of. And in order to grab that balance, let's just go to the Word, okay? I want to tell you, I want to show you what this passage shows us is going on. That lets us know kind of what could happen in our own lives. The very first thing we read is that when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through the arid places seeking rest and doesn't find it. We can find several things in that one sentence. It says, when an unclean spirit, that, uh, that is um, akathartos pneuma. It's interesting in the, in the definition of that is that the, it starts out calling it bad angels. But they're known, akathartos pneumos, were the, the spirits that were known to, to like to inhabit the bodies of man. We know from this, it says when an impure, impure spirit comes out of a person that we're talking about possession. The difference between possession and oppression, in case you want to know, most of you know, but I have been asked this question. The difference between oppression and possession is one is external and one is internal. When you are oppressed by the enemy, it is an outward pressure that comes at you. It's a bombardment that makes you feel heavy and confronted. Uh, it might, it's a constant barrage against your thought life. It's just the pressures that you feel, they're exterior. When you are possessed, there's an inward control. There's something that you have invited in to your life. I don't believe the enemy comes in unless there's an open door. I believe that you, he's invited in in these places. And once that happens, it's the difference between a foothold and a stronghold. A foothold is the oppression. And you have the opportunity in that place of oppression to use the same tool you would use for possession, but it's not nearly as complicated. You use the Word of God. You use the Word of God. And if you don't have the Word of God, you have no business doing this. You have no authority against the enemy except the authority that comes with the Word of God. Period. Okay, so it says when it comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. What does that mean, arid places? I don't really think the enemy was going to look in a desert, an arid place. Uh, we know from the scriptures when they were being cast out of a, um, a 
the man who was possessed of the demons, they asked that they be sent into pigs rather than be sent out. So they like this habitation, but what are they looking for? What do they like? What is their preferred place? Arid places. The word there is anathos. Anathos, arid places. And I thought, Lord, what does that even mean? Where are they seeking a place? Well, that same word, anathos, it means wells without water, clouds that look like they have rain but have none. It means something that was created to hold and possess water but doesn't have any. It's pretender. It's somebody that, it's a place that, that was designed for one thing, but it's empty and it's vacuous. We see the exact same terminology used in 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2 uses that same anadros to address those who have once known the Lord or called themselves by his name, but have now fallen back into sin. They have been uh, captured again by the old devils, by the old sins. It's the exact same terminology in 2 Peter 2 to those that have fallen, those that are back in their old sins. So this tells me when the impure spirit comes out of a person, it's its favorite place. Well, no, let me tell you this too. Most of you know that in the Word, what would be the one thing that would be representative of the Word? Wouldn't it be water? Scripture tells us that we are to be washed by the water of the Word. It tells us that out of our belly shall flow living water. Amen? The washing of the water of the word. Water is used hundreds of times in the scriptures to refer to the word of God. It refers to the word of God. So I look at this and I go, okay, this, this arid place, this arid place that is found in those that have maybe once known the Lord, but have fallen to their old sins again because there's no word in them. There's no word in them anymore. There's nothing to combat and we just... Heard, you, if you're going to combat the enemy, you've got to combat him with the word, right? So these arid places, now let's just take it one more step. If you go to that and then go, okay, let's go to John 1, 1 that says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Then skip down to verse 14 and it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among them. Then let's just take all of that and put it together. It's all consistent. It's all backed up with the word. And these arid places turn out to be the preferred place. You know, we know it's the preferred place because it tells us that the enemy roams to and fro, seeking whom he would devour. This specifically says the arid places. So this would be the preferred place. The preferred place for the enemy to come and attack is in those who once knew the Lord, who once called themselves by his name, but now they fall into their old sins again and they can't overcome them. I really believe that. I really believe it's a uh, someone who perhaps thought they were a Christian but never applied the word to their life, never took in enough word to change them because it takes the word of God to change us truly and the enemy seeks out those places, seeks out those places uh, to go where there, it's wordless. And it says that, then it says, I will return to the house that I left. I will return to the house that I left. Of course, when we are delivered and it's, or we come out of a mess in our lives, when we come out of it, whatever the case may be, you can't let down your guard. You can't think that you were delivered once and it's never going to be a temptation to you again. We all know that that's not true. And it's not true because it says he returns to the house. Why does he return to the house? Because he knows you. He knows your weak spots. 
He knows your habits. He knows the places that you got in trouble before. And he's going to test those gates. Don't believe that the enemy will not come and test your gates. Don't believe that he's not going to come and push those old buttons in your life because he does. That's why addiction is addiction. It's the same thing over and over and over. It's the same battle with that returning to you over and over. Old temptations. That's why people get so bound up in them. They can't get free because that same is coming back. Why? Why is he coming back? Well, we're going to talk about that. It says, then it says, I'll return to the house that I left. And it says, when it returned, when that spirit returned, it found the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. That used to so confound me. That used to so confuse me because I I always related the word uh, clean with the Lord. You know, order. God is a God of order. So it just made no sense to me for this him to return and this house be swept clean and put in order until the Lord really highlighted the word unoccupied. Unoccupied because sweeping clean and setting in order is something that you and I can do. We can sweep something clean and we can set it in order for a little while. We can clean up our mess and we can decide one day we can be so strong and so bold and go, I'm never going to do that again. We throw all the bottles away that we've hidden in the drawers. We turn off the computer screen, give our computer to our friend who knows that we're caught in pornography. We give it to them and we decide that day we are not doing this anymore. We clean it up. We set it all in order. But the house is unoccupied. And we can only do so much in our flesh. How weary do you become trying to keep yourself straight all the time? How, I mean, how good are you at that? I can make it like 24 minutes. But this unoccupied place, that's because there's no word in us. There's no truth in us. And beyond that, this, that living word of God, the, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, isn't occupying the space in our spirits. If you want to be guarded against the enemy and against onslaught and against the old addictions and against all of that old stuff, you've got to be occupied. There's got to be a no vacancy sign in your spirit. You, you know what? You submit yourself to the Lord, resist the enemy, and he will flee from you. The whole concept of being so full of God that the enemy has no room, that takes away the battle in and of itself. If you want to stop having to rebuke and rebuke and rebuke and stand and stand and stand, try to submitting. Submit yourself to the Lord. I'm telling you guys, this was revolutionary for me. It really was because I was in a constant battle. Constant battle. It goes on to say he returns and he brings with it seven that are more wicked than itself. What does that even mean? We know that the word wicked, Pastor Brad shared some of that with us, but the word wicked means with evil intent. To, they, they come with the intent of causing more harm. And it comes and, and it, it, it's more wicked, brings seven more wicked than the first. What does that look like? Well, maybe you just used to have an issue with drugs. Maybe you were an addict and your issue was drugs and you cleaned it up, man. You were able to, you went to AA, you went to a support group. Absolutely do that, guys. I'm not saying don't do that. Do that. Get the help. Get every form of help you can get. But you go and you do this and you get help and 
and it's cleaned up for a while and you're starting to feel pretty good about yourself and because you've overcome this thing in your life and, and the enemy comes in and he comes in and he hits you and you're in a weakened state because you've been going by all the rules, but you're still unoccupied. Colossians 2 tells us that, uh, it, I'm going to paraphrase because I can't remember it all, but it talks about how having died to the world, why do we again submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, as though we were still subject to it. It says all of these man-made rules have a, a form of external godliness. They have something that, that buffets the body and, and makes us feel like we're doing the right thing. But it also says they are destined to perish with use. Destined to perish with use. And it says they have no value in restraining sensual indulgence. None. So we might set it all in order and we might be doing all the things and following the right rules, but that need to, to indulge our senses, that need to go back to that thing is still there. So when the enemy comes this way, he comes in plowing and there's no word in you, you are hit in that old vulnerable spot. And this time you fall and you fall hard. And it is a mess and you, you fall hard. And this time you're not just dealing with the drugs, you're dealing with the other seven spirits that came to cause harm. So instead of just addiction, now you've got this spirit of shame. You are so ashamed of what's happened. And it's just, it bombards you. There's isolation that comes with sin. And because don't let me, don't tell me that sin doesn't cause you to isolate. You don't want to be around other people. You don't want them to see what you've done. It brings embarrassment. It brings anxiety. It brings fear of being found out. It brings condemnation. All of these things come when this sin comes back in, this enemy comes back in, and he brings the seven back with him. I do not believe that demons or devils ever travel alone. I just don't. I don't believe they like a fair fight. I don't believe that they like, I <laughs> this is just me guys, but when the scripture says where there's a spirit of strife, every evil work abounds, I see spirit of strife in every evil work. When the scripture tells me that fear has torments, I believe that fear comes in and always with fear comes anxiety Always with fear comes dread. Uh, it actually, the scripture actually says uh, evil forebodings, feeling like something bad's going to happen. You think fear travels alone. When's the last time you sat in the, in the doctor's office and you had a spot or a place or something? And while you're sitting there, a spirit of fear comes at you. And in the span of about 90 seconds, you go from, well, it's a mole to no, it's cancer. And then it's like, no, my back didn't just hurt. And that's probably cancer too. And that that headache, well, that's an aneurysm, I'm pretty sure. And by the time the doctor calls you back, you've already discussed how you're going to share the news with your family. Because that spirit of fear comes in with all of these others. All of these others. It says, and the final condition of that person is worse than the first. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, we got to be filled with the spirit. We got to be occupied, not busy full. We got to be full of the word. We have to have an ongoing living relationship with the word of God. You have to be so full of the word of God that when the enemy comes, he backs off. You just submit yourself to the Lord, allow him to fill you. And if the uh, musicians would come out, the Lord set me free from, free from this in an in a interesting way. At least it was interesting to me. Uh, it was about 1989, about 1989, um, I had still carried this mentality of always fighting, always fighting, always fighting. And I 
had carried it into my home life and and as far as fighting the enemy, not my husband, but um, don't you say anything. Um, one night I had a dream. I was just exhausted, guys. I felt like I failed the Lord all the time. I felt like I could rebuke and I was still doing the same sin by the evening, you know, whatever it might be. I just, it, it wasn't working for me. And I had this dream. And in my dream, I was standing in my living room and the forces of the enemy as I pictured them at that time in my mind. There was this onslaught toward me. And and in my dream, I was just standing there fighting and I was rebuking and I was standing and I was fighting and they would back off and another group would come from this side and I would turn and I would fight and I would rebuke and I would stand. And about the time they went away, the ones over here came in this side door. All night long, I did this. All night long, I battled. All night long, I fought. And when I woke up the next morning, I was exhausted. I was exhausted, but I had this feeling of victory in me because, you know, I had just run off the devil. And I'm sitting there on the side of my bed, and I'm thinking these things, and I'm thinking, okay, I won, Lord, I won, Lord. And man, I got rebuked by the Holy Spirit. And he said, not once did you call my name. Not once did you call my name. You are exhausted You are exhausted because you're in this by yourself. You never called on me. And he said, and on top of that, you are fighting a battle that I already won. Wasted time. Wasted energy. Because all I had to do was call his name. I just had to speak his name. And guys, in that moment, I was so set free in my spirit. This battle mentality, feeling like Satan was coming at me all of the time. All, it was just all released in this to be able to go, Oh, Jesus. Jesus, fight for me. He is the one who goes before you. He is the, the, the God of the angel armies. He's already won this fight. Your job. Your calling is to submit to him, resist the enemy, and watch him run. Watch him run. Bless you, Lord.